Hello, everyone. This is the first ever episode of the Just Noise Boys podcast. It's a podcast with myself, Andrew Bana, and Johnny Chardulo. Um, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. Uh, it was Johnny's idea. He's brought it up a few times over the past few months. Um, we th- so we've always kind of wanted to do one. Um, with, with full transparency, Johnny is definitely way more into podcasts than I am. But with that being said, you know, we both have a ton of extra free time now because of the whole COVID nonsense. So we figured it was the perfect time to finally get started on that project we've been talking about for a while. Uh, John, yeah, this any- this happened obviously before the world was coming to an end. We wanted to do this for a long time anyways. Yeah. And now is just a good time because, I mean, I don't know, just sitting around not doing much. Might as well talk about shit and see if other people want to hear us talk about shit. Pretty much. And since we can't see each other in person, <laughs> this is the closest thing to hanging out anyways right now, other than yep. our uh, nonstop playing Warzone. This seems a little more productive right now. Lots of Warzone. <laughs> this is a thousand times more productive than doing that. Definitely. Although it is good. This is a, feels like actual work, but I miss work, so I want to do this. Yeah, definitely feeling a little anxious when I... I don't know. I can't chill and just do nothing for days and days and days at a time. Like... I can have like maybe one or two days where I do nothing, but then I'm like, okay, like let's let's get back to doing some shit now, you know? Well, let's let's preface something here. This doesn't fully affect you as much as it affects oh, me. Oh, of course, I know. Like at all. Like you you're obviously still affected and Serena's affected as yeah. well. Um, but Serena's still working from home too, right? Yeah, she's working from home right now. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's no, great. Trust I, me, I, I, I wish I, I could be working. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I yeah, it, it's fucked up for sure with, uh, well, we'll talk more about your situation in a little bit because we'll get into uh, what Johnny actually does outside of the the YouTube videos you might have seen of him because he does a lot more stuff related to music that you guys probably don't know about. So we'll get into all that soon. Um, but before we do that, I guess we should talk about why we started, th- why we're starting this podcast and what's it going to be about. Um, and then we'll go on from there. So as we mentioned in the beginning, you know, we're basically starting this cause we've kind of always wanted to do a podcast and it seemed like there was no better time than the present since we're kind of stuck at home. Um, and as for what this is going to be about, obviously Johnny and myself are both musicians to some extent. Um, you know, we both have a quite an extensive career within music. Um, although it's quite a different experience as you'll find out shortly. Um, so basically this podcast is just going to be about our experiences within the music industry, both as performers and in a band as solo acts. Um, and in more so in Johnny's case, in terms of like the music industry behind the scenes, like with venues and promoters and stuff like that. Um, and as for our mission statement and what we're looking to do is we're obviously looking to talk about that aspect of things, which we don't really get to talk about on YouTube very often. Um, as well as interviewing some of our friends and colleagues that we've met throughout the years, uh, within the industry. Yeah, we have a lot of very uh, interesting people that we've met, um, whether it be through my own career or Andrew and I together or Andrew by himself. And I kind of just wanted to do this because I wanted to have an in-depth, actual, non-bullshit conversation about you know stuff that happens in the industry, um, what people think is going to happen in the future. And uh, just get everyone's kind of, you know, different thoughts on it because everybody has different perspectives. And I think that's beneficial to everybody who, you know, might listen to this and wants to learn more. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I just want it to be candid. I don't want any I don't want it to be like lame interviews where people are just bullshitting to make themselves like, you know, sound better or something like that. I just want to have an actual conversation with our friends and then, you know, Mm -hmm. people that we, you know, work with that 
you know, are in the same industry as us and all that. Yeah, definitely. And it is interesting now that there are so many podcasts out there uh, in general, but also within the music industry. It's it has been funny to see the kind of like walls crumble down behind, you know, all these artists who have these walls built up, who have this like public persona. And nowadays it seems like that's actually becoming less of a thing because I mean, in part because of podcasts and YouTube. Cause like people don't really fucking care about that anymore. They don't want to see some like fake rock star. Uh, I mean, some people do, but you know, it's, it seems like people want to know more of like the people behind the music. And I guess that's what this is all about for us. Yeah. There's a whole demographic of people who love the idolized, um, idea of a rock star. Mm -hmm. We'll say like, I've, I'll talk about it more later, but there's, you know, specific scenarios and bands and people and, specific subgenres that people like like to idolize and then if you tell those people what those artists are actually like they deny you because they don't yeah. want to know they no, don't no, want to know what those people are like right? nobody wants to know their heroes are actually scummy people yeah <laughs> basically there's there's a very the very true saying is don't meet your heroes exactly um and i totally believe in that <laughs> yeah it I, might I, be it might be circumstantial but it's also yeah. like I don't mean your heroes, maybe. For sure. Um, so moving on before we get into uh, that talk about who we are, what we do, for those of you that don't already know, uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is our plans and goals for this podcast. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, that's kind of our game plan of what we're going to be talking about. But as for our plans and goals, uh, obviously, we also want to have guests involved in this. Um, so Johnny and I have already talked to a few people who have expressed interest in being on a podcast with us. So we will definitely be hitting them up and taking them up on that. Um, I know one of the people that's interested is Nick nocturnal um of course you guys probably know who he is because him and i do a ton of collabs together also i mean he's one of the biggest guitar related channels on youtube so if you've somehow heard of me or johnny you've definitely fucking heard of nick nocturnal um, yeah, he's a great 100%. guy we uh finally met him in person at this year's last uh nam back in january got to hang out with him in person it was a great time always lovely to talk to him and uh, we'll definitely be taking him up on that offer um and of course tons of other guests too um we don't necessarily have anyone booked per se other than nick um but we're pretty confident that we can get some good guests going on here we've known a lot of people over the course of our careers so we want to talk to them all who are your uh top three like top three people i would love to get on here yeah Ooh, that's a good question i would love to have jared dines on here um i know him decently well i haven't seen him in a while but i mean he's always down to talk uh, i think i guess we'll find out <laughs> um who else would i love to talk to i would love to talk to maybe like josh travis from emir uh, slash tony danza slash glass cloud that would be awesome he always has some insightful things to say and last but not least i don't know if he would ever do it but i would love to get mick gordon who of course composed you know the doom soundtracks and many other video games um just right. because i think he's an evil genius with music and everything he says is genius in my opinion right how about you um i'm kind of thinking in terms of like who i think we could definitely end up talking to mm. uh i mean yeah sure there might be some pipe dream people but sure in terms of people that like i think <laughs> would have good things to say like i want to talk to lauren mm -hmm, like lauren definitely. babick um uh patrick as well we were yeah. talking about patrick before yes um it'd be nice to talk to the angel maker boys yeah too 
uh, pretty much there's like some really awesome local bands that I would like to talk to here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, specifically like neck of the woods and yep. talk to Jeff because Jeff is a really smart dude. Yeah. Or the guys from spirit box or something like that. Guys from spirit box. The guys. Uh, in Lady, yeah. I guess Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it, I, to echo your Jared one, I would like to talk to Jared and, and Austin. Austin. Yeah. Um, or even Tony too, because mm-hmm. Tony's a pretty fucking smart guy as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of options. Hopefully, we can land some of these guys. I'm sure some are more likely than others, but yeah, we'll we'll do our best and see who we can talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much the intro, and I guess a uh, what you would say like a synopsis, I guess is the word for it of what we're way. planning to do over the course of this podcast. Um, I'm not entirely sure at this point in time like how frequently it's going to be. Um, and also in the future, we do plan on having like a better video version of this where we actually get together and film it. But of course, right now we can't do that due to the, uh, epidemic that's World going on. To an end. Yeah. The, the apocalypse. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> for now it's just going to be kind of like a screen cap zoom room type deal, but in the future we'll, you know, upper production quality a little bit, but that's okay. We just wanted to get going. Um, but with all that being said, uh, we're going to move on to the next section and talk about how we met. Um, I'm going to start just because there you, was this, you met me before I knew you met me, I guess is the way to put this right. Correct. It was kind <laughs> of a weird, um, happening of, of fates for two parts of my life. I, <laughs> I met you, but I didn't officially meet you at, um, a show at the theater that I now run. Yeah. And it oh, was yeah. the first, it was the first time that I was there mm-hmm. and seeing a show. That's so weird. Uh, I never even thought of that. Yeah. I went to it was Beartooth Silverstein uh who else was on that bill I honestly don't remember I don't remember I w- I went to the show by myself first yeah. of all cuz I was new to Vancouver so I didn't really uh uh know anybody and I just saw the show and I knew I don't know probably one Beartooth song <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted went there something to do to see Beartooth specifically that's all I remember um I don't remember who else was there but because Serena likes Beartooth as well so I was like one of the few shows we can both go to together. So that's why we went. Yeah. I remember I was in the lobby and uh, I was just like getting a beer or something. And I saw you with um, Serena. I don't know who else you were with. Hmm. You were with a group of people. And I was like, oh, shit, that's that guy. <laughs> that's that internet dude. Whoa. Dude like I, YouTube. I, I would have been one of those dudes that comes up to you when we go to shows. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, I love your shit. But I didn't I didn't do that because I'm just not like that. I don't really go up to people and say yeah. shit like that yeah. generally. Um, but we were I the only time I went in the pit was for this one song. I can't even remember what it was. I don't even care anymore, honestly. <laughs> um, I haven't listened to that band since. And uh, yeah, we were in the pit and I was going ape shit. And you were like right in front of me and I was just ready to absolutely destroy whoever it was <laughs> and then as soon as i saw it was you i held up and i was like oh shit okay i'm not gonna kill him i was Such like i don't want to you know end his youtube career or whatever <laughs> so i backed off and uh yeah fun fact too i just ripped my pants really bad at that show Johnny like so is bad notorious for ripping his pants <laughs> i split the crotch like so huge it's just so massive so i had to walk home with my crotchy pants crotchless that's uh boy crotchless boy pants um <laughs> yeah but so uh, obviously i had no idea any of that happened i was just at the show with serena having like oh this was cool yeah you, you didn't well i didn't introduce myself yeah. to you or anything i just saw you from afar 
But the real way that we started talking, I don't know if you remember this, but I obviously do, is um, Uptown Funk just came out. Oh, yeah, right. Like, that song just came out, mm. so everyone was just shitting their fucking pants about it. <laughs> and um, And you made a post or something being like, should I cover the song or something along those lines? I can't remember exactly what it was. Right. And I had already done a full cover of it. Right. So I sent it to you being like, oh, I did this already or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we just started talking a little bit through that. And yeah. then through that conversation, I, I already knew about GP before I even moved to Vancouver and like Angel Maker and stuff. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool if I get to see these bands or, you know, whatever. And uh, I knew that you guys didn't have a bass player. So I just said, hey, if you're ever looking for uh, a bass player or anybody to fill in, just let me know. Like, I can mm-hmm. do it pretty much. Right. Yeah. I remember that part of it. I kind of forgot about the Uptown Funk part of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then I think, I don't know what happened on your end after that. But I, don't... I mean, you guys asked me to do an audition video. Yeah. Like, not soon after that. Like. I think I don't even I think it might have been the same conversation because I, I don't think we were actively looking for a bassist because we had been playing shows still just with no bassist at the time if I remember right. correctly, um, and then you just mentioned like oh I play bass, blah 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 like everything you just said and I was kind of like oh well you know we're not actively looking but if you ever like want to try it out here you go and I maybe I sent you tabs or something like and I was like if you want to try here you go. Yeah, I you think. sent me tabs for invertebrate. Yeah, and then you did it anyways, even though I had said, like, oh, we're not really looking, but if you want, here you go. And then you did it within, like, it was, like, super fucking fast. It was, like, I don't know, within hours of me saying that. You're like, okay, here's a full cover and a video. And, yeah, I learned everything. And I was just like, oh, fuck, okay. So that immediately, to me, I mean, obviously I didn't know you at the time, so I was just, like, super impressed. Because, first of yeah. all, you did it incredibly quick, which is something that I always look for. Uh, in people is like i don't know if you're super stoked on something like you know show that you're stoked on it and you did because you right then and there just did it like on the spot so i was like oh fuck okay well clearly he's serious he's serious about this um if he's willing to just you know do it right away so that is the thing that kind of got me interested in being like oh shit okay well maybe you know maybe we should get a bassist again um so i sent your audition over to the rest of the guys and I was like, hey, you know, uh, I was talking to this guy on Facebook and blah, 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 blah. And he sent me this video. What do you guys think? And I sent the, sent it to them. And, uh, yeah, they were impressed, too, because, I mean, you obviously played the song perfectly. So yeah. we were all kind of just like, oh, shit, okay. Well, I mean, you know, we're not, acti- we're not actively looking, but you, also, like, it would be stupid to say no for no reason. So let's, you know, have him come out to a practice and – see if we all get along because i think at that point the biggest issue we were having wasn't necessarily that we couldn't find a bassist it was more like we didn't want to have a bassist because we had such a terrible experience with ex members that we didn't want any new members we were just like fuck new people let's just keep it with us four or whatever um so we wanted to have you come uh practice but really we just wanted to hang out more than anything we were like we already know you can play the shit uh so that we're not worried about that. We just want to see if we all get along. Um, yeah. And then you came out to practice or hang out. I don't even know if we practiced the first time. I think we might have just straight up just hung out. We definitely practiced. Okay. <laughs> because I I learned all of Pariah. Right. And oh um, yeah, and that was another thing. We were like, oh shit, because we thought you would only learn like one or two songs, and you just came knowing everything, and we were like, wow. Yeah. I learned the whole EP, and then 
uh, we went to Dallas's house and we all met there and I met all of you there. Right. And then, um, yeah, we played Pariah like three or four times. Yeah. And you just like, played through pl- the whole EP, like no problem. And we were like, yeah, okay, well, damn. Yeah. We had a good time. That was a good time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just remember Dallas messaging me afterwards being like pretty pumped about it. Mm hmm. So that, yeah, it went well. And that's kind of where everything ended up uh, yeah. starting from there. Yeah, for sure. And that was, this was for context, I guess. This was back in like 2014, I think. 2014. Yeah. Like near the end of 2014. Because this was after we had gone on our like big cross Canada tour with Black Tongue. Um, and then immediately after that tour, we kicked our bassist out because we did not get along with him. Uh, I mean, before the tour, but especially on the tour. So. Yeah, it was sometime after that, maybe like early 2015, late 2014, somewhere around that time. So yeah. like five years ago, I guess uh, now, which is crazy. It, it would have been around the same time Angel Maker came up with the Sentient. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember all of you guys being really stoked. And I didn't yeah. really, at the time, because I didn't know the boys, I didn't understand the significance mm-hmm. of uh, that band right. or especially that record coming out and how huge it was Yeah, for them. Um, but yeah, it was, about, it was around that time mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, so I guess that's pretty much how it all started for, for you and I. Um, and then obviously from there, you know, like we did a lot with Galactic Pegasus and we also eventually started working on YouTube stuff together. Um, and it's just kind of, I always think it's funny to look back on because again, like this all started because you played bass in our band (laughs) and now like, it's so different than the way it started because now, you know, like when you and I do stuff together, you're usually on vocals and like not bass at all. Um, it's just, no. it's just funny how different it is. And yeah, uh, I, I, at, at some point in this conversation, I'll go through my, uh, yeah. my myriad of playing multiple <laughs> instruments in many bands. For it sure. is. Yeah. It's just years of being a yes man. Yeah. And it's just, I'm just saying, I guess it's, it's funny to look back on. Cause I kind of, I don't know. I don't actively think about that. That's where we started, obviously. So it's just yeah. always interesting to reflect back on that. And same Do you remember like, the the first cover that we did? Um, was it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that um, David Hasselhoff song. It's right? the Hasselhoff yeah, yeah, song yeah. with uh, Brian um, Dallas. Oh fuck, I forgot what the song was called, but that was a good one. Yeah, it was yeah, like, that, uh, I mean the the uh, video was pretty poorly. Uh, Kung Fury, accepted. Kung Fury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. But that we also posted it on Metal Sucks, so anything on Metal Sucks channel like, just gets hated on. So I wasn't. Yeah, we got torn it. apart. We yeah. got torn apart. I forgot. Damn, that was so long ago. It's crazy. Yeah, we filmed it at Dallas's house. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Brian uh, filmed all his parts, obviously. Yeah, it's somewhere under those bridges in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's like on a hoverboard or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So Had funny. we met? Um, no, Brian. Before that, that no. was before we met, right? Yeah. No, because yeah. the first time I met Brian in person, we were already in a band together. So that would have been like 2015 right um oh i remember sorry just random facts about that video for some reason <laughs> i don't know why i'm thinking about it but i recorded the solo at your house that was the first time i went to your house oh yeah and that was the first time i met like um like hawkley's girlfriend at the time oh yeah and then like serena and all y'all and then do you remember getting ice cream and shit? oh yeah and you were and then we found out you're scared <laughs> of bees <laughs> wasps sorry. scared of wasps sorry wasps and bees too, yeah. And but no, also like I, he can't eat ice cream because his beard is fucking huge. And it, yeah. you were like holding your beard and mustache. Up. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was when my beard was even bigger. 
yeah than it is now because it's hard to believe tame it yeah yeah i never used to tame it it was literally just a fucking square that came out of my face (laughs) but yeah um yeah i just ran away from bees and stuff so that was really good introduction yeah and the hardest by the way side note again since we're talking about this the hardest i've seen my dad laugh in my (laughs) in my entire life of knowing my dad the hardest i've ever seen him laugh is laughing at johnny for being scared of bees just as a side note, because that was hilarious. Yeah, I'm scared of them. I don't no, like it's, them. It's fair enough. I'm terrified of spiders, so I feel you. It's just, it's just not a a thing I encounter often because they don't fly at me, right? Yeah, spiders don't fly. Thank fucking but, god. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> back on track here. Um, so they, yeah, that's pretty much like a, I guess, like a quick story about how we met and how we started working together. Uh, so now basically we have uh, kind of like a set of five questions we're going to ask each other uh, to kind of talk about ourselves, basically. So um, I don't know if you want to go first or if I should go first or if it matters. No, we'll, we'll do you. We'll do you first. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's, we'll start with question number one, Andrew. Question um, one. Where you began when it comes to music, specifically YouTube for you? Yeah, so uh where do i even begin with this yeah so i guess why did you why did you want to start a youtube channel well okay so i started playing guitar when i was 13 years old long long time ago now 15 years ago crazy um and how do i explain this i guess like when i was in high school every once in a while we would have these like video projects for school where you had the option of like writing a short story or making a video. And every time that happened, I was so fucking stoked to make a video. So I was always like the video guy in high school, I guess. But interestingly enough, I just actually was talking about this last night uh, to Serena. But when I used to make videos, I always used to be the person like behind the camera. Like I would never want to be in the videos. I just wanted to make right. videos. Um, obviously, this has nothing to do with guitar. So I guess that's kind of where my... I guess interest in making videos started from was like in high school for some reason, even though we were just making like dumb fucking skits, like stupid, like jackass style stuff. Um, But yeah, I never really was interested in being the one in the videos. And then um, YouTube came around when I was like, I don't know, 15 or 14 or something, or at least that's when I found it. And then I saw videos of people playing guitar on YouTube and I was like, Whoa, that's crazy for some reason that just really spoke to me because I played guitar and I liked to make videos. So I just like never thought, Oh, you can just film yourself playing guitar. Uh, I don't know. It just was never something I thought of doing before. So I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. And then eventually I got my camera and I started doing like really, really, really terrible videos on YouTube where I would like duct tape a USB microphone that came with like the video game rock band Two. I would duct tape that to like a 15 watt Marshall amp and that's how i used to record myself um because obviously i didn't know anything and it wasn't like it is today where there's millions of options and um yeah i don't know i don't know why that's just what i wanted to do it was just like i liked making videos i liked playing guitar so i just wanted to combine the two things um so yeah i've actually technically i guess been on youtube for a really really long time and uh funnily enough my first youtube channel actually got banned because I used to upload like music videos of bands I liked to YouTube because (laughs) again, this was before bands used YouTube. So I would like somehow find bands music videos on like torrents or whatever. 
and I would just upload them to YouTube because I just liked the music and I was like, everyone should watch this video. It's fucking cool. And just providing it to the masses. Yeah. And I got banned for that. Obviously once copyright became a thing on YouTube, which is fine. Yeah. Um, and then I started a new YouTube channel, which is the one I still use. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I've had that channel since I was like 16 or 17, which is crazy. So, um, but yeah, how long did it take, um, for like, it didn't take too long for you to get a partnership though. Right. Cause I remember the early days of YouTube, they were kind of just throwing partnerships out left, right and center. Um, kind of, but again, since I had been on it since basically 2010, like I don't even think monetization existed when I first started at all. Right. Um, the only way that you used to be able to monetize was through like something called a, uh, what is it? A CPM or, or no, sorry, an MCN. Um, and that used to be the only way you could do it was basically you hired a company to run your ads for you essentially. Um, and I think that's how I started doing it. And then YouTube opened up partnerships to everyone in the world and it was incredibly easy. Like you only needed like a hundred subscribers and anyone could do it. Oh yeah. It was nothing. But at that point I had already been doing it for a while, so I'm not entirely sure. Um, um, so how long did it take for you to actually start making even like a little, like butt hairs worth of money. <laughs> um, oh man, I don't remember. I feel like the first time I made money from YouTube was probably when I released that Rise Records video. Right. So that was okay. So I guess that's also kind of where I get that's where I think my quote unquote YouTube career started, to be honest. Was like I was always making YouTube videos, but like I didn't really give a shit. I was just making them for fun. Um, And then I made this video called how to get signed to rise records, basically just making fun of rise records because at that point in time, they were essentially only signing the same type of band. (laughs) Like every single band was like auto tune chorus breakdown, auto tune chorus breakdown, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. I like some of that stuff, but I just thought it was funny that that's all they were doing. So I just made a parody of it. Um, And for some reason that blew up and it got like whatever few hundred thousand views in like two days and I was like mind blown because up until that point, everything had only gotten a couple hundred views. So yeah. once I had that first taste of like virality, I guess you would call it like my first viral video, I was like, oh, fuck, maybe maybe this is uh, something I should take a little more seriously. And then yeah, obviously, and back then too, like a hundred thousand views oh, like, yeah. was nothing to shake a stick. At. No, no, like, no. It was it was viral. That was like for sure. crazy big. Like I actually just found a picture of when it happened and it was on the trending music page because like most videos didn't even have a million views back then. So getting right. like a couple hundred thousand was crazy. Um, Fun fact too. I've still never watched that video. <laughs> that's okay. It's not that good. Honestly, it, it's not even like out of like, I'm not even going to watch it. No. I just literally missed that boat entirely. Never yeah. watched it. Well, it was a long time ago now. I think it was almost 10 years ago, which is crazy. But yeah, so I think that that's kind of where my actual interest in becoming a YouTuber started, I guess you could say, because up until that point, I was just making videos just because it was fun. And I still do that to some extent. But, you know, like once I realized like, oh, shit, you know, people actually watch this and there's actually a way to make money off of this. That's when I tried to start taking it more seriously. And I think that's also around the time when I probably got my first YouTube check. It probably was like nothing, you know, it was probably like a hundred dollars after like six months or something, but still better than nothing. Exactly. For like someone who was doing music as a hobby, I didn't even know you could make money off of music at that point in time. Like I think, I think Galactic Pegasus did maybe exist before that, but at that point we were giving away everything for free because we were just like a local band. So I don't know. I was just very surprised that, you could make money at all. And that just got me really excited about the whole thing. 
Right. So um, this next part of the question will kind of flow into when your uh, YouTube channel like really took off. Mm -hmm. So like um, who are some important people that you've met through your experiences? I already kind of know the answer a little bit, but I want you to kind of go in and tell everyone else. For sure. Well, I mean, I think that the, the one that immediately comes to mind is probably pretty obvious is Brian storm. Um, he actually runs a YouTube channel now called rock feed, which is an incredibly successful YouTube channel. Um, but before that (laughs) him and I used to do covers all the time. And, um, one of the major things that I've loved doing when I started doing YouTube was, uh, metal covers of pop songs because I loved the like pop or punk goes pop albums or whatever they were called. And, um, and then I saw like Drews of Stalin's videos and he was doing that except by himself. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't even know you could do that without a band. Um, so all that, all that kind of stuff inspired me to start doing that. But the problem is I can't sing. So initially I was doing this on YouTube, but it was like my instrumental with like the original song kind of like shittily mixed in the background or whatever, because I didn't have anyone to sing it. And I was putting those online like just for fun. And then I got an email one day uh, from some random guy named Brian Storm. Um, But yeah, Yeah. so he emailed me because I had released like whatever, an instrumental cover of something. And he was like, hey, man, do you mind if I sing over top of this video? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, My only condition is that you send it to me so I can hear it just because I'm curious to hear it. Because I think at that point I had never had anyone sing over my stuff before or at least not that I remember. So anyways, I think it, I can't even remember what song it was. It was maybe like 2012 by the word alive or some random like metalcore song. And he, uh, he sent it back to me and it was like amazing. I was mind blown. I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, based off of some random guy emailing me, I wasn't really expecting much and I was yeah. just totally blown away. Um, so I emailed him back and I was like, yo, I'm super stoked on this. This is awesome. Would you by any chance want to work on blah, 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 blah with me? And I started sending him demos of other stuff I had. And that's kind of how me and him started this started, I guess, like phase one of my YouTube career, I would say, where it was mostly focused in like pop goes gent covers. And he was obviously like a huge part of that because none of that would have happened without him. Because, again, yeah. I can't fucking sing. <laughs> so, yeah, him, that, him and John, too. John yeah, definitely John as well. had a big hand in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's another person we got to get on here for sure to talk because both of them, there's a whole a whole lot more story, but uh, it's, it would take hours to get through it all. Oh yeah. There's um, lots of stuff with them. Yeah. It's all good stuff that sounded like it was bad, but it's not. <laughs> there's some, there's some, uh, there's some interesting stuff that we could talk about with Brian for sure. Oh, for sure. Pertaining uh, to some particular people. Definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, <laughs> I guess that's when like phase one, I would call it of my YouTube career started. And then, you know, as time went on, Brian kind of stopped doing singing. Um, and I think I was still pretty into the whole Pop Goes Gent things, even though he wasn't really wanting to sing them anymore. So I just kept doing them anyways. And then I started working with other vocalists. And that's how I started to meet other people like Lauren Babick, um, you know, Nikki Simmons, uh, so on and so forth, like a bunch of other super talented vocalists. I started reaching out to them and eventually ended up working with them. And then, you know, it kind of it was working well to some extent. But then the issue I was having was like every single video was a different vocalist. So 
the interest started to die because like when me and Brian were doing it, it was like every time someone watched the video, they knew what they were going to get. Whereas yeah. when I started doing with random vocals, they were kind of like, it's good, but like, where's that guy? Where's this girl? Where's this person? They, cause they didn't really understand that it was like the guitarist's channel, not the vocalist. Like, I think a lot of people thought I was Brian Storm maybe, but yeah. anyways, yeah, that's kind of, and then that's kind of like phase two, I guess, where things started to slow down and I kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And this is also around the time when I met you and then eventually you started becoming a really good singer. Like you had always sung, but like when we first started out, you were not nearly as comfortable with it. Um, no, I was still getting into my own skin at mm -hmm. that point when it comes to vocals for sure. Yeah. And then, but then eventually over time, like, you know, you kept practicing and getting better and better. So now at this point, it's more like you are basically the go-to vocalist for almost everything on my channel. And it's kind yeah. of getting back to that point where like when people see a cover, if it has vocals, they kind of assume it will probably be you or at least that's right. what I think. Uh, maybe I'm wrong in that, but that's the way I see it. Um, right. But yeah, that's, that's some of the many people I've met through my career. There's obviously way more people than that, but those are kind of the, uh, the big ones that I can think of at this point in time, at least. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely haven't mentioned and you glanced over the fact that your videos with Brian specifically, like, you know, oh, the Katy yeah. Perry stuff went yeah. crazy viral yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. where things For really sure. started to pick up. Yeah, like, I've been yeah. forever chasing that dragon of getting those amount of views ever again. So, yeah, I guess, it, it, again, there are some people who watch my channel now who don't even know that I used to do this, which is hilarious to me. Um, but, yeah, so the the biggest video I ever did was with Brian Storm and it was a cover of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. And to this day, that's still my most viewed video of all time. I think it's actually about to hit 4 million views, which is fucked. Like, I can't even comprehend that. Um, and right. then following that, we had two other ones or three other ones that we released, like, around the same time. And just, like, all four of them just for some fucking reason exploded. Like, it was Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus and then Dark Horse by Katy Perry, Turned Down for What by Lil Jon, and then um the fourth one was maps by maroon five that one wasn't as popular but <laughs> it was still like almost a million you know so still pretty uh, good that i know song is so funny yeah it was a weird one but yeah for some reason those four like just absolutely blew up and i've been forever chasing like getting that amount of views uh and it's never happened since i'm i've had i've had a couple of videos I, I think the biggest video i've had since then is actually probably a doom cover and i think it has like five hundred thousand, so nowhere near you know three million but yeah that's i don't know it's it's weird for sure right yeah no uh but yeah you've met a lot of cool people and mm -hmm. have you know built a lot of friendships along the way oh definitely for sure, um through youtube and stuff um moving on just because we're gonna take a while on every topic i can <laughs> already tell i like to um, talk apparently yeah so band talk <laughs> So talk about bands that you've played in, mm -hmm. uh, projects, that kind of stuff. And, you know, don't shy away from details. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, good, uh, the bad and the ugly, baby. Yeah. So Galactic Pegasus was my first ever band, um, technically speaking. I mean, like I sort of played in a band in high school, but not really. It was just like me and like my three friends who fucked around in their garage and we played like the high school talent show. So I don't really count that. Um, and same with like my, my younger brother and one of his best friends, we kind of played in a band, but it was like, I don't know, a month or two and it just didn't go anywhere. So I consider Galactic Pegasus to be my first band. And that's a weird situation because that started out as a solo project because that, 
used to be my YouTube channel name was Galactic Pegasus. Still um, confusing people to this yeah, day. Yeah, to this day, that was the worst decision I ever made, apparently. Because <laughs> um, people don't... Yeah, but anyway, so it started out as a solo project because that's what I named my channel. And then it became a band. And then it was this confusing thing where people would come to our live shows and we're going to think that we would play, like, the Wrecking Ball cover, for example. And then that's not what we did at all. We were playing, like, Genty Deathcore. And they were like, what the fuck is happening right now? Or vice versa. <laughs> people would hear our band and go to my channel and then they would see these pop covers and they're like, I don't understand what's happening. So that was... So anyways, I ended up changing my name to my actual name, Andrew Baina, and then trying to separate the band from that. And it kind of didn't really work. Uh, it I don't know. It sort of did, but definitely tons of people were didn't understand what was happening um which is fair enough obviously i didn't think of that when i started this because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing um but yeah so galactic pegasus first band and that's kind of how it started solo project and then basically the reason that it became a band was uh there was this promoter back in the day she doesn't do shows anymore her name is Lindsay. uh she asked me if i wanted to open a show for like some local bands and i was like well i can't because i'm a single person like how the fuck am i gonna play a show that makes no sense um and she was like oh well if you ever get a band going you know the offer stands so i was like well i mean that'd be pretty cool maybe i should and then basically i just ended up reaching out to like friends at the time who i knew played like whatever drums bass guitar and i was like hey i have this offer to play a show do you guys want to do it and then they said yes so we ended up playing the show and it was super fucking weird in retrospect at the time it was amazing but like it made no sense like i was playing guitar but then i did vocals for like one song and then went back to guitar it was super weird it was very obviously our first show but i liked it so much that i was like okay playing live is awesome i need to do this more um and then from there that's when the band technically started i don't think any of those guys who played that first show with me stuck around well i guess the bassist did stick around for a while um but the other guys were not interested they were just like yeah we just wanted to play a show so we don't want to do this anymore but thanks was it roostall was roostall playing bass yeah yeah so he stuck around for the first ep and a little bit after um and And then then the myriad of members began (laughs) yeah we've had a lot of fucking ex-members for sure um that's that first show is also where i met dallas which is funny um but he was like 14 years old at the time and like his dad has like a youtube channel where he wanted to interview me because of that rise record song so i did that and like dallas was the one filming it and he was kind of like by the way my son plays drums or something and i was like oh cool and then our drummer who played that show was like yeah i'm not into this so i ended up asking dallas to join and he did um so that was yeah weird again in retrospect. was was a uh, was cooper a package deal did he come pretty soon after that or uh he wasn't immediate um he i think he joined like after mirages was already done i'm pretty sure right um but he played like the the ep release show with us was like his first show i'm pretty sure um but he, I, I, I don't want to – I might be wrong on this. I'm sorry, Cooper, if you listen to this and I'm wrong. But from what I recall, I, I think he joined after the EP was already done. Pretty sure. But I could be right. wrong. Right. <clears throat> right. But Coop, Cooper had a big hand in Pariah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then uh, – yeah, so we did that. And initially it was weird because I wasn't even playing guitar. I was doing vocals, which is super weird to remember and think back on. But we, I was like obsessed with volumes. I still love volumes, by the way. But I basically wanted to copy them because I was like, this band is fucking awesome. They're my favorite band. I want to do exactly that. 
So right. volumes had two vocalists. So I was like, we're going to have two vocalists. So I did vocals and then we got a second vocalist. Um, and yeah, that's how we played all of our first shows was me and another guy splitting vocals. And then when Pariah came around, the guitarist that we had quit and I was like, okay, well I already write a ton of the guitar stuff anyways. And I know how to play guitar. So fuck it. I'll just play guitar and you just do vocals. Like we don't really need to have two vocalists after all. Like there's no reason for this. So then Pariah ended up being that where I switched back to guitar and then Cooper was on guitar as well. And then we had a different bassist named Nick. Um, and then Dallas was still in the band and then our vocalist Trevor was still the vocalist, but now he was like the main vocalist. Um, and that's how we did Pariah, which was probably our most successful EP, I think still to date. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then, I mean, and then on that EP, we ended up doing that cross Canada tour with black tongue, which was probably one of the most fun experiences I've had in my entire life. Absolutely loved the guys in black tongue, um, and life forms as well. And villains. Um, and then we got back from that tour and we had a ton of issues with our bassist uh, leading up to that tour. But then they all came to a head on the tour and we basically just ended up fucking hating that guy. So, well, tre- you, Trevor was out of the band oh, yeah, before yeah, yeah. that tour started, too. Yeah, that was actually very un- not unfortunate. I guess I can't say because we did it, but like um, it sucked to do because with him, it wasn't a situation where we didn't get along with each other. It was like we felt that we wouldn't be able to do the tour with him because um, at that point in time, he wasn't really performing the vocals up to the standard that we wanted him to be doing it. Um, Not to slander his character or anything. I I don't know if he does vocals anymore, but regardless at the time, that's what was going on. So we like, we couldn't even get through like uh, two practices in a row with him doing full vocals. So we were like, well, how the fuck are we supposed to do a two week tour where we're playing like almost every single day. Like it's not going to, it's not going to work. So right. we were faced with the decision and we unfortunately had to let him go, which was incredibly difficult because we all really liked him and we loved hanging out with him. Um, but we knew it wasn't going to work for the tour. And we also knew if we kicked him out, he would definitely not be our fucking friend anymore. And unfortunately that's right. what happened. Um, you know, can't blame him. I totally understand. So yeah, he was out before the tour and then we ended up finding Hockley who I don't even remember how we got him. It was probably just like Facebook or something. Um, yeah. Did you make a post or something? I don't even, I honestly don't remember. Um, but anyway, so we ended up having Hockley. So Hockley performed on the black tongue tour as his like first thing basically, which is crazy. Um, and he did really well and we were happy with that. And then we got back home from that tour. We did not get along with our bassist at all. So we kicked him out. Um, which is fine. And then this is around the time when Johnny messaged me because we had kicked our bassist out and we were like, fuck finding new people. We've already gone through like three or four ex members at this point. Like I'm done with this. Um, but then Johnny was a good boy and we were all impressed with him. (laughs) So we decided that we'd give him a chance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, uh, from there we wrote, uh, the next album, uh, the looking glass or no phantom of the hill <laughs> phantom of the hill baby and that was a god awful experience that almost ended our band many 10 many, many out times. of 10 out of 10 bad it was <laughs> the worst experience i've ever had writing and recording music in my life for sure like unfortunately no question about it um due to many many factors which i mean we can both talk about that because we were both there at this point but there were so many things like we had signed to a record label deal at that point in time which 
uh, I don't know. It just didn't really end up being beneficial to us at all. In fact, it made it, no sense. It ended up kind of being uh, a deterrent, a hindrance. Because like, I felt that everything they were doing for us, I could already do or was already doing, or not just me, but you know, the band as a whole, like they were trying to get us like promotion and stuff like that, for example, where they would like get our song premiered on whatever, some website. And usually the website they got a premiere on, I was like, I could have got us on like somewhere else for free and it would have like done way better. So like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to toot any of our own horns in this situation, but I felt as though the uh, nameless label um, were benefiting from our contacts way more than we were benefiting from them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's how I felt, too, for sure. Um, Yeah. And, like, the, the actual, like, monetary deal we had was fine. Like, the money, ironically, in this case, the money wasn't that big of an issue. It no, was it wasn't more, at all. It was more the other stuff that came with it where we we're like, we don't mind giving you this percentage. Like, what we had negotiated was fine, but it was just, like, the percentage you're taking doesn't really make sense for what you're doing. You know? No, and also, I mean, I think a few factors played in yeah. to, you know, maybe everything not really working out necessarily well yeah. for either of us yeah. was because the record that we had, the songs themselves were great. Yeah. The production was fucking poo poo, garbage, terrible <laughs> fucking Cooper. Won't even listen to yeah. the record and hasn't listened to it. I can't listen to it I either. I haven't listened sucks. to that album in years because I am. It just brings back honestly so many bad memories. Yeah. Well, just like going from, pariah which was like that's the sound yeah and then going to phantom of the hill yeah. which was a hundred percent more of a gent metalcore record than mm-hmm. like a beat down deathcore yeah. kind of sound it really sounded nothing like nothing like band. it and, and it then like it didn't new really knew everything it's just like what is happening it didn't really help that the production was bad no definitely maybe not. if the if the production was good it might have taken us in a different direction yeah and then the relationship with the label might have made a little bit more sense yeah i don't know but uh it sucked pretty much everything and, that could have yeah. went wrong with that album went wrong we were yeah very unhappy with the, uh the the lyrics and vocals none of us liked them but like what were we supposed to do at the time you know like yeah. We were now under pressure from a label to do this album, so we're like, well, fuck, we have no choice. Like, we can't, you know, we've already well, we've already paid for hours and hours and hours of studio time, and this label expects a release, so yeah. fuck it, let's the just most, put it out. The basically. most frustrating thing was more the fact that we spent oh my god, way too much money for, for a no product that sounded like a bag of shit. That yeah. was, like, the most deflating thing ever. And this yeah. was also my first yeah. part of being in GP. I wrote like a bunch of stuff yeah. for this record, like almost half the record. Mm-hmm. And then it just came out like garbage. Yeah, it was incredibly disappointing. So. Um, yeah. And I, there were so many other factors involved in this that I don't want to even get into. But yeah. <laughs> and then we ended up like we had kicked out our drummer or no, I guess he quit technically the first time. So he had yep. quit. He had quit before we went into record. Um, he ironically did say that it was a bad idea to go to the studio. So that was one of the few good ideas he had. <laughs> so he was the that. only one. He was the only one and, that didn't sign the contract. And same with the record label. He 
didn't think that was a good idea. So I'll give him that. That was true in retrospect. Yeah, good foresight um, on but his that's behalf. about the only good thing I can say about him. <laughs> um, but that's a whole other story I'm not talking about. Because <clears throat> um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so then the whole Phantom of the Hill thing happened. Everyone was fucking pissed. Nothing worked out the way it was supposed to, or that we wanted it to, rather. Um, and then we started, we kept playing shows off of it. Like some people liked it and we were like, I don't know why you like it, but okay, I guess. And we did like a bunch of video promotion for it. Like we made some cool videos with Connor that the videos looked great. So like, that was cool. Um, and then we played shows and like around this time too, like our live shows just took like a huge downturn where like, it seemed like we used to play shows to like 50 to hundred people, like all the fucking time. After we which released is good the, for Vancouver. Yeah, which is great. So now after we released Phantom, it was like every single show was like 20 people max over and over and over. And we were just like, holy fuck, man. Like, why are we even bothering? So it was like a year of that where we were like disappointed with the album, disappointed with live shows. And then we started to not get along with our vocalists anymore. So we were disappointed with that. And I think I, it got to the point basically where I think the four of us, um no not even the four of us the three of us me you and cooper uh or no this was after travis joined so the four of us i guess we were at like a periphery guitar clinic and i think i had told johnny before we went in that i was like dude like i think i'm done with gp like i'm not i'm not down with this anymore it feels like a it feels like i'm wasting my time like it's not going anywhere i don't enjoy playing any of these songs because I don't like them because I'm disappointed with how they sound. I don't yeah. like working with our vocalist. I hate being, I, I don't like anything about this. Like I, I literally feel like I'm wasting my time and my money coming to practice to do something I don't even want to do. Like it was that bad. And uh, yeah, I told Johnny that. And obviously he was very sad, which fair enough. Cause like I, it's not like I was happy to fucking say it obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I told Johnny that and you know, he was kind of like, he felt the same way to some extent, but he was a little more positive because he was like, well, I think we can still, we can still do something here. Like, let's just try and fix, like change things so that we are back to where we were or having fun again. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, we can try, but I don't know if it's going to work. And then that same day we went into this Mark Holcomb guitar clinic and sure enough, he ended up talking uh, at the guitar clinic about how whatever he talked about like band issues and like uh i don't remember exactly what he said but basically he, he, said, he said why waste your time with somebody who isn't a hundred percent into it yeah pretty much you know that. what i mean yeah. if if there's if there's a bad apple why waste your time with that person yeah is pretty much what he was saying for the most part basically and yeah for some reason i guess hearing it come from like a an industry professional, let's say, uh, in ex- other than like, you know, us talking to each other. I don't know. For some reason, it's always good to like hear it from someone that's experienced it in a much greater magnitude than you have before. And someone it, outside of your circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if they echo the same sentiment, um, you know, and they're clearly successful, it's kind of like, okay, well, fuck, you know, like this guy clearly knows what he's doing. He's in the most successful modern metalcore band or whatever the fuck you want to call periphery. Um, we should probably fucking listen to him. <laughs> and yeah, it was basically that day where we kind of all were like, okay, well, we know what the issue is here or one of the issues. So we can, fix, how we're we can fix that one at least. 
Um, yeah. And there was many things leading up to why we were disappointed with our vocalist uh, that doesn't really need to be put into detail, I don't think. So we ended up kicking him out and uh, <laughs> Johnny had already fully rewritten the EP with his own lyrics in like five days and it was a million times better. So we were just like, why the fuck didn't we do this in the first place? Like, what have we been waiting here for? Um, yeah. So that's kind of what led to us kicking him out. And that's where the band was up until we recently quit was it was just the four of us. Cause we finally realized we're like, okay, like we all know what we want and we all worked well together. That's it. We don't, yeah. We don't the four of us are, person. it's all the good. four of us are very happy to work together. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's kind of funny because when I joined the band, you guys were like, we don't want to have anybody else. Like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I joined. And then since it's been us four, we're like, we don't want anybody else in the band, <laughs> which is fine because no, it's better. Yeah. It's better to work with a smaller group of people. Oh, for sure. That you're all on the same page with. Yeah. And yeah. then um, going on from there and like actually being happy with what you're doing. Definitely. You know, whatever. We backtrack bass and I don't give a fuck. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Less either. people. Less people is better in my opinion. But yeah. Especially just, when we're uh, playing on small ass stages. Like there's barely enough room for four people as it is. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. <laughs> um, But yeah, I guess that kind of closes up the, the band talk. And then because I feel like everything after that point was pretty smooth sailing, in my opinion, like. We released another EP. We were all happy with it. And, you know, we released two more singles and eventually... Three more. Sorry, three more singles. Um, I forgot about Descript. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then eventually we kind of just, you know, like we're we're all still happy with each other. None of us were not getting along. Like we didn't break up the band because we hate each other or anything like that. Clearly, because we're making a fucking podcast with two of us right here. Um, yeah. And we still hang out with Cooper and Travis all the time. Uh, well, we don't hang out with them, but we talk to them all the time, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So just kind of over time, we just were tired of the band really as simple as that sounds, because again, like it has gone through so many variations where it was like a solo project. Now it's a metalcore band with two vocalists. Now it's a deathcore band. Now it's a beatdown band. Now it's a melodic metalcore band. Now it's a beatdown band again. Now there's a different vocalist. Now there's a different bassist. Now there's a different drummer. Like if we were just like, Man, like it doesn't, I don't even know what the fuck we're doing anymore. Like this is not the same thing that we started in the first place. Like why are we still continuing this? So we ended it and we're like, I think we would all just be better off starting something new. And that's basically the only reason is we were just like, oh, well, yeah, we did. We did everything we wanted to do with this band. And if any of you want to continue music, it would be better just to do it in something else. And that's kind of where we're yeah. at. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, we'll move on for that because that was a long one. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> No, that's fine. So um, I guess like through that band talk, we've already kind of covered a few things with the next topic, but things that you've learned from the industry um, and YouTube, mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll combine these two together. Yeah. Things that you've learned and then your outlook on the industry as a whole. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint specific things that I've learned. Like, I feel like I've, it, everything has been a learning process. Cause again, it started out with me being a, 15 year old kid in my parents basement where i still fucking am <laughs> like recording videos and i had no idea what i was doing so every single thing i did was a learning experience from like starting a band starting a facebook page starting a youtube channel trying to deal with a label trying to go to an actual studio to record learning how to self-record instead figuring yeah. out that dealing with people is more important than dealing with uh, you know, like having a person you get along with is more important than having an amazing musician in your band per se. 
mm-hmm. all this stuff is stuff that I learned over time. Um, and there's not really like one or two single things I can pick out because it was like, I feel like every day I'm still learning something or something is changing or, you know, that's how I feel. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, no, everything's changing constantly. That's kind of like the, uh, blessing yeah. and a curse, I guess. Cause either you ride with the tide or you, you know, go against it. It's one of the two. Definitely. And, uh, I don't know. You have to be able to adapt mm-hmm. and improve. And if you don't, I think, uh, that's what kills a lot of people. Oh, for unfortunately. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think it's more evident in music than almost any other industry where it's like, a, it's weird in metal too, because so many metal heads are so, um, resistant to change, I guess you would say like they, they just don't want things to be different than they've been. But at the same time, yeah. they complain when things aren't new. It's like this really weird dichotomy that I've only really seen within metal where it's like people, people, complain about new things but they also complain if you stay the same and it's uh, it's fucking weird and the industry as a whole is exactly like that where yeah. there's people the, that the thing is it's like it's a people pleasing industry but the person that you need to please is yourself as like lame as that sounds yeah because like i mean look at periphery too like they've said it before they're like we don't really like write music for other people we write mm-hmm. it for ourselves yeah. If people like it, that's great. That's awesome. But, like, yeah. we don't really get caught up in it if people are, like, pissed or, like, they've changed or, you know, they're pretty yeah. experimental and they do some weird shit, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's another definite key point of learning something in the industry is that if you go into the music industry with the intention of making money or of being famous, I don't think I've fucking ever seen that work out for anybody unless they already have like millions of dollars that they just blow on an ad budget maybe. But like for an average person like you or me, like if you're starting a YouTube channel right now from nothing uh, and you are like, by next year I'm going to have a hundred thousand subscribers. It's like, if that's your goal and that's the only thing you want, you're probably not going to do it. Like it probably won't fucking work. Yeah. Um, You need to, I don't know. That's the thing is like, I feel like most of the, most of the growth that I've made in my career has been at times when I've almost like, it sounds weird to say, but it feels like most of the progress has come when I've almost like quote unquote, like given up or like stopped trying so hard, which is very, very, very weird and very annoying to be honest with you because like there, and it's evidence on my YouTube channel all the time. Like whenever I make a video that I put so much time and effort and care into where I'm like, fuck, like I put, I've tried really hard with this video. I think it's amazing. You know, this is the best one I've ever made. And I put it out and no one gives a fuck at all. <laughs> and it happens yeah, all the time. And it's the same thing all the time music too. Like when, when bands try really, really hard, it like, it fails way more often than it succeeds. Um, when they're trying really, really hard to pertain or like please a certain yeah, person, yeah. right? That's what I mean. Is like when you're yeah. when you're when you're I guess when you're putting in an effort with the intention of success, I guess. Is that a better way to put it? Uh yeah. Yeah. So sure. I guess that's 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 probably the biggest thing I've I don't even know if I would say I've learned it because I still try and do that all the fucking time. But I don't know. Right. Um yeah. And then cool. oh, I look as the industry as a whole is I've yeah it's basically the same thing. It's pretty much what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I talked a bunch. Now it's time to hear what Johnny has to say. Uh, so we're gonna do the exact same questions. So first and foremost, 
Uh, let's hear where you began when it comes to music. Um, in your case, I know it's not so much a YouTube story, but just, you know, music as a whole. Yeah, I come from um, a different uh, background of music um, than Andrew did, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was really young, like, my my parents would listen to all kinds of music. Um, so I fell in love with music pretty early in my life. Like, I listened to... Um, a lot of classic rock, um, a lot of like, uh, the Gypsy Kings and, you know, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin and, uh, a lot of blues and stuff too. Like I used to be obsessed with Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was like my favorite guitar player for a very, very long time. And I wanted to play like blues and stuff like that. So I fell in love with playing guitar very early. And like, I remember being frustrated as a kid because I wasn't you know, like when you start learning guitar, you get frustrated because you want to play shit and like yeah. you just like can't. You're just not like that's still developed enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like not like my hands are too small for this fucking neck. Like I can't right. do it. So I used to get really frustrated because I wanted to like, you know, shred and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And then eventually I started, you know, I got uh, my first guitar, which was like a like a like a Behringer Strat copy or some mm-hmm. shit. It was. It was a terrible guitar, but it was my first one, so I don't yeah. really give a shit. It's like a hundred dollars for like the guitar, the amp, a cable, and picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I, I yeah, so I just started, you know, learning songs. Like I was obsessed with Billy Talent. I learned I tried learning a lot of the songs off that record, which, you know, when you're twelve or younger is hard because Billy Talent's hard. <laughs> yeah. They write hard shit. So like I started off way too high. And then I was also obsessed with uh, Van Halen for a very, very long time. I remember I, I got the Van Halen two record and then I had uh, 1984 and I just like wanted to learn Hoffer teacher. And that's where I started learning like how to shred. Yeah. Let's say, Um, or I was more focused on playing leads and fancy stuff. When I first started playing guitar, Mm. like I wanted to learn how to finger tap really bad because Eddie Van Halen was doing it like crazy. Of course. So I was like, all right, shit, I'm going to learn how to do this. Mm. So then I I did start learning how to do that. And then that kind of started to open up uh, my playing a little bit more. And um, and obviously when you're learning how to like play shred guitar, I mean, metal is what's going to come up almost immediately. Yeah, of course. So I, I started branching. I just started discovering more music after that. So I went from playing like blues and classic rock and like, fucking spanish flamenco music to um all of a sudden starting to hear heavier bands like the first like heavy thing i heard was when uh there's a program in canada i know it's not in the states much uh loud. much loud it was on 11 o'clock friday nights yeah and uh the first like heavy thing i saw was the um i'll date myself because I'm, I'm younger than you but uh the before i forget music video yeah and i didn't know who slipknot was so i was like whatever but like it was like heavy fucking riffs and yeah. stuff, and there was a little bit of screaming, but there was a lot of singing too. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is really cool. I haven't really heard anything like this before." So I kind of wanted to get more into that, and then I started listening to Slipknot and stuff, which immediately transitioned into me listening to brutal <laughs> death metal, like right away. That's so funny. So I was like Slipknot, and then I was like, "Oh, what is Cannibal Corpse?" And then I started <laughs> listening. To Cannibal Corpse, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I was like, this is insane. So, like, my metal journey and, like, guitar playing journey started off with death metal primarily. Like, yeah. uh, Vital so, Remains. So and, different than most people. 
Yeah, so I immediately went to, like, I wanted to know what the most extreme thing was. Mm -hmm. So I went to that most extreme thing immediately, and I was like, oh, I'm going to like this. Yeah, see, that's not how people usually do it, because usually they do what I did, where they started off light. Like, my intro was, like, Linkin Park, and then it gradually got heavier, but, like, very slowly. It was, like, Linkin Park, System of a Down, Slipknot, and then it was like, okay, well, Metalcore still has singing, so it's kind of, you know, and then eventually I ended up at Deathcore, um, I still don't really listen to death metal, but regardless, like that's my equivalent of like the heaviest shit. Um, yeah, most most like, people years start and years there. And years to get there, whereas you just like went straight to the fucking end, which is super funny. Yeah, I just like I wanted it was so intriguing. I was just mm-hmm. like I want to know what all this is about, and I thought that like these death metal guys were like the upper echelon of like musicians at the I time. Mean, they, so I was they like, are, though. yeah. So I wanted to learn so much more about them. So I listened to like. Um, you know, Morbid Angel, like uh, Diocide or Deicide, however you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all the classic death metal bands. And then I started moving up to like Tech Death and all that kind of shit. Um, I used to listen to Brain Drill a lot. I remember I got like a um, um, a Metal Blade Records sampler mm-hmm. and it had tons of fucking bands on it. And like Brain Drill was one of those bands and it was like Red Chord and a bunch of other bands. And like uh, the Black Dialer Murder was on yeah. there. Uh, like that was like right before Nocturnal came out. So I guess Miasma, Miasma right, right. came out. Um, so and then I was on the Black Black Dialer Murder train for a long time because it was like a mixture of some techie stuff, really riffy and death metal. It was all like a, a blend mm-hmm. of that. And at that time, too, that started to mix in with black metal. And I was listening to I was kind of just listening to anything <laughs> that I could get my hands on. Like I used to love uh, uh, Demia Borgir a lot. Borgir. Right. A lot because I like the symphonic. Mm mm-hmm um aspects of their music and it was brutal and all that shit yeah they're about the only black metal band i can get but uh i guess behemoth uh, behemoth like a behemoth was like a big one for me too because that bridged uh death death metal metal and black black metal so it was like black and death metal i guess you could say and uh that's about as close as i can get to black metal yeah and that was kind of around the time too i started um noticing that like guitars were tuned lower Mm mm-hmm so I was like, oh, I want to, you know, do that. And I right. had my my Epiphone special model, too, and I would tune <laughs> it down to fucking drop B, and it would sound like <laughs> a big old poop. Yep. But I was really into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then I was, I was up and in the MySpace era of bands, and that's, like, really where, you know, Deathcore started becoming a thing. Yeah. So pretty quickly I started noticing these bands pop up, like Carnifex and... Um, most specifically Whitechapel. So like Somatic Defilement came out and it was the first um, rendition of that EP. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Like, this is fucking nuts. See, like, this is brutal. It's funny you say that because I was, when I was talking earlier about how I like eventually got to what I thought was the most brutal thing ever. And it was the same thing as you, or it was Whitechapel for me. But the way that yeah. I heard it was way fucking different so i was like i was never into myspace but i absolutely loved rock band and guitar hero that was like my shit um and there was dlc on one of the rock band games and for some fucking reason they've had a white chapel song in there and that was the first time i ever heard white chapel my life was playing it in rock band and i was like what the fuck is happening like is this is this a person making these noises like the the, the vocals i had never heard anything like that before yeah, it was the vocals that drew me in because, like, yeah, in death metal, it's definitely, like, yeah, brutal. But it was kind of more in death metal. I don't mean to pigeonhole it necessarily, but sometimes the vocals are a little bit one-dimensional. There isn't too yeah. much range. Mm-hmm. In deathcore, like, 
it still can be the case with specific bands, but like Whitechapel, Phil had like yeah. he had his mids, he had his highs and his lows. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's fucking cool. But it was more just like, wow, okay, so they're still doing blast beats, but what is happening after that? <laughs> like this is like groovier and slower, and yeah. it's got like a what's little that, bit more. What's that slow part? <laughs> what's that slow thing that's happening? So I was like, this is fucking super dope. So I started going down the rabbit hole of uh, of deathcore bands, and and then I started you know looking up. Top ten uh, deathcore breakdowns, <laughs> yeah, and that's how I started finding all these bands that I still, you know, love to this day. But the like good old YouTube compilation <clears throat> days, the compilation days, like that's where I found like as Blood Runs Black. I used to be obsessed with Rose Funeral mm. and like so many deathcore bands. Like I've talked to Mike from Angel Maker about this a lot because he's a big uh, deathcore nerd. Obviously, there's yeah, so many course. more bands out there, but that got my interest in. Um, also extended range guitars pretty soon because I was like, okay, I can't do what they're doing on this um, Epiphone special model too. Mm-hmm. So I need to, you know, start finding some stuff. And then I found a uh, diamond series uh, seven string, like a Schecter. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I started like, you know, understanding extended range guitars. Yeah. And I, I got, I got that in 2009. So oh, I started playing extended range guitars pretty early you in my life, I guess. Before me, then, because uh, I I got a seven string for the same reason, where it was actually initially because of deathcore, not because of Gent, because I had never even fucking heard of Gent before. Gent was not a thing did not exist that I yeah, knew about yet. It was because of uh, for me as well. It was Suicide Silence and Whitechapel, and they both played drop A on a seven string guitar. And yeah. of course I only had a six string and even playing like drop B slipknot was like impossible. Like it was already too low for my guitar. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't, but I just didn't know what I was doing. So right. I was like, Oh, well the only way to do that is to get a seven string, I guess. So yeah. I eventually got one as well. I had like a shitty, like Ibanez RG seven, three, two, one BK or whatever the hell they call it. Right. Um, and yeah, it was the same thing. I got it because I wanted to play Deathcore, And, uh, but I think I got mine in like, 20 oh no i think it actually was in 2009 or 2010 so i guess it was around the same time as you around the same time yeah Yeah, because it was when i was still in high school yeah crazy um but yeah kind of before that too i was like really interested in writing my own music and (laughs) recording it here we go um here we go (laughs) give it this was like the very very early days of all of this shit and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I used to use a free program, which I'm sure tons of people know what it is, but I used to use Audacity. Hell yeah. And um, at the time, I had you know no real recording equipment whatsoever. I It's actually almost parallel to you. Mm-hmm. So I played Rock Band as well. I had the USB Rock Band mic, and then I had a little Marshall amp, mm-hmm. and I would put it up to that, obviously, and just fucking go and just write <laughs> stuff and like yeah. piece things together. I didn't know how to properly edit stuff, so I would kind of just like record everything at once. Yeah, like <laughs> so you, just, just, you just one take it because there's no other way. One take, or like yeah, because we didn't know any other way, right? I didn't fucking know. I yeah. knew to double track, which was stupid. That's I don't know how weird, I knew but that, okay. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, double track. It'll sound better if it's like this. <laughs> and um, so I did that, and like I uh, recorded bass too with some piece of shit bass. I think it was a Dean bass. It was a four string that only had three strings. I made nice. it work. Couldn't afford um, the fourth string. No, I couldn't. I didn't know how to restring anything. I don't know. <laughs> I had the same string on my guitar for like years. Oh, but um, so <laughs> there were these things called my jam drumsticks. So what these things were was uh, <laughs> little plastic drumsticks that had a little module on it that you would clip. It had a clip on it so you could clip it onto your pants. 
Okay, so you could like stand up and run around and do shit. But I would clip it onto my pants, and when you swang, swang, the, when you swang them sticks in the air, they would make drum noises. They had buttons on them, so like there was like a a two sided button, and there was one on the side, two sided button, one on the side. So if you held down the two bottom buttons, it would be kick drums. So if you would go like this, they'd make kick drum noises, <laughs> and if you held one button, it would make a snare noise. So I used to it had um had an aux cord, so I had an adapter. Uh, a quarter inch adapter and I would plug it in and I would put it into my Marshall <laughs> and I, I would record all of the drum parts to the song that I wrote separately. So the drums, the, the kicks would be by themselves. I would do one take of all the kicks and then I would do all the snares by themselves and then all the cymbals. Amazing. So Kids it used to take spoiled man for real. <laughs> it used to take me forever to do that shit. So I would just write random stuff mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I used, that's how I started writing music was just that way. It was the only thing I could really get my hands on to record. Yeah. And I still, my mom bought me a, um, she went to our local music store and was like, my son wants to record music. Like, what <laughs> should I get him? And they gave her the pod um, still have it. UX1, oh uh, which I still have today. Still the exact uses. same thing I still use today. Uh, it works for me. I don't give a fuck. And <laughs> yeah, but I've had it since then and. Been recording I didn't realize ever since. you had had it for that long, long time. And so, I had I got that in 2007. That's so fucking crazy. Super long time. That makes me and laugh then, even harder when you're like, "Oh, my drivers aren't working." I'm like, "Yeah, this thing is literally 15 years old." <laughs> yeah, hey, it still works, man. That's Just crazy. update the drivers. There's still stuff for it. Yeah, and then like along the lines too. My I remember my mom for Christmas bought me um uh, a 58 microphone, and then I mm. started to like you know want to record better and. That's kind of when I started doing vocals properly, properly too, mm-hmm. uh, was using like a 58 and properly like learning technique, right. I guess you could say, uh, vocal mic technique. And yeah, I started vocals while I was learning all of these instruments too, but it was pretty bad. I was just like trying to do, you know, death metal stuff and it sounded like shit, but whatever that because, vocals wasn't my main interest. But the thing the is, the thing is it was probably some of the most fun you had in your life was those like early years when you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. You were just doing oh, yeah. it because it was fun. I was fucking around. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. I just Same. wanted to do stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I guess, yeah, for the most part, that's the... Yeah, it's very similar be- to, to what I was saying is how I started. The only difference is that I didn't have those cool-ass drumsticks. Oh, fuck. Dude, I didn't start programming drums until um, after my yeah. second year of college. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, 2013, like, 14. Yeah. Uh, probably a little earlier or for me, 14 but about 15 or whatever but the thing yeah. is i had guitar pro so that was how i learned was through guitar pro not right like, i didn't learn on in midi right away i found mm-hmm. guitar pro first and then i learned how to use that and then i realized like oh this is the same fucking thing as midi it's just like visually different and then right i, I kind of figured it out from there mm-hmm. but yeah cool um so i guess we'll or well you still have lots more to cover in your well, that, that's like the beginning, but then you ended up obviously going to music college as well. So you can talk about that a bit. Oh yeah. For the first question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, or I was, I guess, um, part, I don't know, whatever question it is. We'll just keep talking about this. Yeah. Well, I played music all through high school. Like I was playing more acoustic guitar and stuff. Cause like I grew up in a small town and, um, called, uh, Penticton in British Columbia. And I, I swear to God, like I had one friend that listened to like some metal, like Lamb of God and stuff, but 
I was the only kid that listened to like aggressive music in my high school. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, I list, I wore like scary shirts and people thought I was a Satanist and all that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I wasn't and I'm still not. Uh, I just liked the shirts and all that, but I was <laughs> the only kid Satanist. that I just really like Satan. Right? I just really like the imagery and stuff. And that's what <laughs> I would tell people, but Oh, you know, whatever people talk, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I, I was the only kid that listened to metal. So I didn't really have like friends that were into the same stuff that I was and was like willing to start a band. So I didn't ever play in a metal band ever yeah. uh, for a really long time. So I'm, I had uh, this friend, I'm not going to mention uh, too many names cause I don't really feel like it's necessary. Um, but there was this girl that I was playing um, guitar with and like playing shows. Cause like I was in this guitar class in uh, high school it wasn't like learning guitar it was like a performance class mm-hmm. so every um every month you would have to create a three song set list and play it at a coffee house with your other classmates and it went towards your grade so uh i would learn acoustic songs with my my buddy joel and then um i would play with this other girl who i'm not gonna name and um she was a country player primarily so i started working with her on country songs Mm -hmm. and uh we wrote like songs and we're really young like kind of through 2010 and 2012 we had like a whole set list and then i started playing shows with her um but i had um my other buddy was playing guitar and he was more suited to the country style of guitar playing so i was like "Ah, i guess i'll play bass then like whatever so i started playing bass pretty early as well in this country band and we would play a lot of shows around town, but it was like, that was the only way for me to get gigs really mm-hmm. was to do that. Uh, Cause there were no metal bands or anything. <clears throat> so um, we would do that. And I did that for a really long time. I'll get more into that. But um, what really got me to really want to play in a metal band, like somewhere down the line was um there was no scene in Penticton. Like we didn't even get shows. Like we didn't have like local metal bands or anything, no local bands besides like the country band I was in, like playing shows really. Mm -hmm. So in 2000 and uh, I think it was 2008 or nine, one of those, uh, there was a metal band. There was a metal tour coming through Penticton and they were playing at the vineyard church, which is like a community (laughs) church or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I've never been to a metal show before. I don't know what anything is like. I've never been to a show period. Mm-hmm. So I went with some of my buddies and uh, it was Fallen Archaea and then some other bands I don't even remember. But I just right. remember specifically seeing Fallen Archaea because they were the headliner of the yeah. show. And I was like, holy fuck, like this is super cool. Like mm-hmm. this is back when they played six strings and stuff. Yeah. And Mike, Mike had like a bowl cut and flippy hair and all this <laughs> shit. And, yeah. Uh, so for context, Alec- I guess like Fallen Archaea is... Uh, one of the Fallen Archaea's guitarists is Mike Stringer, who's now in Spirit Box and was in I Wrestled the Bear once, by the way, for those yeah. that don't know who Fallen Archaea is. Yeah, they they were like a huge, huge influence on one. Like they kind of, I guess, in a way got me into like gent and progressive music. Yeah, for sure. As well, because they were kind of doing that for a while. Like especially the record after that was, you know, uh, they switched to seven strings and started doing yeah. stuff like that, too. So I was like, oh, this is super cool. Uh, but yeah, anyways, just seeing them was like, I want to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to do it eventually kind of mm-hmm. thing. They came through one more time after uh, like a few years later and I saw them again too. And I was like, fuck, this is so cool. Like I really want to <laughs> do it. And I remember meeting Mike and I had a pair of um, checkered vans and I got him to sign the bottom of the shoe. <laughs> I don't have the shoe anymore. That's I think so it's funny. gone, 
but I got him to sign it and I was so pumped on it. And yeah, I was like, I loved that band. They were so awesome. And like, yeah, yeah. even really the last, good. they were very good. The very big influence on me for sure. Um, but yeah, kind of fast forwarding through then, um, a lot of pretty much all the musicians I went to high school with, we all went to the same college, um, after high school. So it was, uh, me, my buddy Bronco, the girl I was playing country music with. And, um, we all went to the same school to study together in Nelson, British Columbia, which is an even smaller town than Penticton, <laughs> but they had a music college that was a branch of Berkeley music. So it was like a transfer program where you could do your first two years in Nelson. And if you wanted to transfer to Berkeley, you could, it was the same first two years of Berkeley. Right. Um, so I went there and that's when I started to actually meet like people who were into the same music as me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh shit, these people exist. So that's when I started <laughs> playing in like, um, you know, I had to do tons of stuff. I had to play in every single possible band that existed. My, um, it's, I, I think it's kind of, you know, at the time I was frustrated because I brought a bass to school because I wanted to record with a bass and I was a guitar major. Like my major was guitar. That was yeah. my primary instrument. <laughs> yeah. But you know, there was tons of students that were performance majors that had bands and they had to basically build this show, um, for their end of year performances. Mm-hmm. And they were scramble trying to find bassists. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I saw you had a bass in your dorm room. Do you want to play bass in my band? <laughs> and I was like, fuck. So then I started playing bass in a bunch of bands. I like, you know, played a lot of R&B and like everything like that. So I really started to like learn chops. Mm-hmm. And like down the line, this definitely helped me out when it came to getting gigs oh, and sure. stuff. Um, but yeah, I joined um, a band with a bunch of like-minded metalheads. Uh, we were called The Residents. We named ourselves the residents after our residents. Basically, <laughs> that was it because we all lived in the dorms. Hey, man, it's a better name than Galactic Pegasus. What could I way say? better, way better. Um, but yeah, we had a really fun time. It was with um, my buddy Alex, who you've met yep. obviously because he moved to Vancouver a little a while ago and he moved away. But he was a big influence on me as well when it came to like learning how to record because he was older than me and was showing me the ropes and stuff. So he was a big influence on me too. And, like, I loved playing in that band. We only played two shows in our two years of existence. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so we played we played a show at the end of the year performance, the first year of college, and then second year we played one. Crazy. And that was it. Yeah. I thought that it was a way bigger thing than that for some reason all this time. Probably no, just because like, you like, look fondly upon it and talk about it often. I just thought yeah. it was, like, I don't know, I thought you did more for some reason. No, we were doing okay online. Like, we had a lot of people reach out to us, uh, like, when we started and we did our first EP called Of This Earth. Right. Because uh, we put it on, like, Gent Worldwide. Oh, shit. yeah, of course. So it did pretty well from there. And then um, <clears throat> uh, I remember I wrote this song called This Is All I Have, and it was, like, a huge just, like, reference to Edge of the Earth because I was trying to write Mm-hmm. edge of the earth for yeah. myself because yeah. i love that band so we I just both were to... obsessed with volumes so obsessed with volumes so i wanted to be that band so i wrote a song that was a lot like it and um i remember our vocalist at the time like he had written this really awesome chorus but i didn't really like how he sung it and i was like watching lauren babick at the time a lot this is in her early career mm-hmm. of youtube and i was like she's amazing like i i should just message her and see if she would be down to do it and uh, I sent her a YouTube direct message. Oh, yeah. I forgot those used to be a thing. Yeah, which, like, doesn't exist anymore. No. And I sent her a direct message, and I was like, hey, this I'm 
in this band and we want to like have this female vocalist on this course, would you be down to do it? And she responded right away and was like, yeah, hell yeah. And um, she did it really quick. And I remember listening to it when she sent it to us and, I, and we were all like super pumped. So when we dropped that song, that was probably one of our, our like most notable songs because she was on it. Right. And she, she posted it on her channel at the time. Oh, crazy. And I think she obviously has recently taken it off or made it private or whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. I was That's so, so funny. Yeah. I forgot that you had worked with her before. Like we started doing stuff. Yeah. But, Cause yeah, I think I didn't before. even know. I don't even know if I had worked with her before we started working together. I can't remember. No, I think I probably yeah. did. I don't know. Yeah. I guess now we're kind of moving along to band talk. So this is kind of when our stories converge around this point, I would say. Right. Yeah. But I definitely played in tons of other yeah. bands too. Um, like when, so after this will kind of just continue on after college, sure. I still stuck around playing with, uh, the country girl and, uh, we all moved to Vancouver as well. So we all kind of like followed each other from high school, college, and then we went to Vancouver to start our music careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started playing, uh, country gigs with her in Vancouver and, um, we were just playing random gigs. We played the railway club and like a bunch of stuff like that. And um, I really wanted to play in a metal band, like really bad. And that's like where I already described before where I mm-hmm. messaged you and all that yeah. started happening. So I started playing my first show with you guys was at three, three, three. And it was when Brian was in town mm-hmm. and you guys did that cover show right. as well. Yeah. And um, that show was super fun. Mm-hmm. And that was like my first real metal show. And that was like a really good time. That's so fucking crazy. I I don't know. I, at the time, I didn't really realize that was like, I mean, obviously it was your first show with the band, but I didn't, I guess I didn't realize it was like your first metal show ever. Probably like, yeah, like or more in or less. all actuality, it was my first metal show that I ever really like played yeah, to yeah. people that weren't a part of my class. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like scaring the shit out of these jazz heads <laughs> who don't know what the fuck is happening and would rather not, but they have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I you know? It was like kids that actually wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was playing bass with Galactic. I just started. I was still playing bass in this country band. And um, time kind of moves forward a bit more. And um, I uh, I was working with these guys that played in a band, a tech death band in Vancouver called Unbeheld. We all worked at the same coffee shipping and receiving mm-hmm. warehouse, which was cool. And um, they were parting ways with their bass player at the time. And I was like, I'm already in two bands, so I don't really want to fully join your band, but I'll fill in for gigs if that's what you want. So that's what I did for kind of like two years on and off. I played it in this tech death band called Unbeheld. And it was really fun, man. It was challenging music to play and mm-hmm. <clears throat> built my chops up quite a bit, like playing that kind of yeah. uh, metal on bass, which I had to play a before. lot harder than any Galactic Pegasus material. <laughs> oh, it was crazy, man. Like Kyle wrote some awesome stuff. Yeah. But I really like doing that. Um, and then there was uh, this other band that was coming up. Um, I'm not going to mention their name either. But they were like a um, a very poppy Maroon 5 kind of band. And they were a group of people who also went to the same uh, college as me. But they were a few years before. Sure. So I had known them from other people who I went to school with. And um, I saw them live quite a few times and I was like, fuck this. I really just liked their songwriting more than anything. Their music was really cool. Very well written. Uh, The songs were incredible. So they parted ways with a bass player and um, 
I was like, hey, like if you guys need somebody, I don't mind doing it if you want. And they were like, yeah, they kind of considered it. And then they went with somebody else. <clears throat> and then they had a falling out with that guy. They kicked him out. And then I was option number two. So like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. So I joined that band. And um, it was really fun. I was in that band for almost about two years um, before everything started going to shit um, pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I, I started having issues with the country band I was playing in. At this point, it had been like eight years of playing with this person. And I found that uh, moving to Vancouver really changed this person. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of shit that happened behind the scenes that I wasn't happy with. And I had... Um, told this band that I was playing in the pop band that I was like, Hey, I'm probably going to quit this band. So just letting you know, like I'm going to kind of put all my eggs in your basket. Yeah. This was at the same time I was in GP too. Yeah. So I was playing in three bands four actually, including unbeheld. Yeah. So I was, right. I was playing bass <laughs> in a bunch of bands doing a bunch of shit and, uh, unbeheld stopped. So I stopped doing that. I was going to quit the country band. And then I told the other band, Hey, I'm going to focus on you guys because we had gotten this pretty good record deal with, um, a big label in Vancouver. Mm-hmm who uh, was run by a guy who um, discovered <laughs> bands like uh, he discovered Nickelback. He um, it's you laugh, but he discovered Nickelback. Yeah, he gave them their shot. Um, he uh, discovered Carly Rae Jemsen, uh, Mariana's Trench, like a bunch of bands mm-hmm. from Vancouver and like blew them up. So we were like really in on this experience. And um yeah, I uh, I learned pretty quickly that that uh, was going to be a pretty bad time for me, and it was. I'm not going to go into like all the details on that, but I ended up getting uh, kicked out of the band for means that I was not very happy with, and it became very uh, legal-driven, and it wasn't very fun for me. Yeah. So I got kicked out of that band, and I was super pissed because I had written a bunch of music, and I'll you know, just like never really get to love it ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, was this at then, the same uh, time that we were doing Phantom of the Hill too? We were doing Phantom yeah. of the Hill at the so same time. So it's just time. like a shitty experience in every fucking band. Every single band I was playing in, it was a shitty experience. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm so glad I moved to Vancouver. Yeah. So I got kicked out of that band and I was super mad and I was still very frustrated with the country band. So I cut ties with them as well and I quit. Um, I still love like a lot of the guys that play in that band, but I've, you know, do not have a relationship with that vocalist anymore whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like not friends. Um, so then I was just in GP. Yeah. Which was cool. Um, I, uh, like liked playing in GP, but it was just like, also, you know, the same time all the shit was happening with GP as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just started, um, I kind of wanted to transfer over to learning vocals way more. Cause like, at the time, I was just doing it very casually, and um, I was just, like, singing backup vocals in country bands and all mm-hmm. that kind of shit. Um, so then I started, like, focusing on screaming. I really tried to learn how to properly scream. And then I was doing, like, background vocals in GP, too, screaming and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to practice singing because, like, when I went to college, I learned how to, you know, kind of properly sing as well, even though I wasn't a vocal major. We had ear training classes where I had to sight read um modes and scales and let's <laughs> sing them at seven o'clock in the morning and i was like fuck this sucks man this is not fun at all <laughs> but, but it's it, like tra- with you <laughs> yeah it trains your ear and like i started to learn from that i like my girlfriend charlie is super good at it because she was a vocal major and we went to the same school 
um, she was fantastic at it. So over time, like when we both moved to Vancouver, I started to learn a lot from her as well. She showed me a lot of things. Right. So I owe a lot of that to her as well because she helped me out, like trying to learn how to properly sing and all that shit. Shout out Charlie. Yeah. I don't know where we are here, but yeah, uh, we kind of just covered the first three uh, the... questions basically. Yeah. Um. So I guess well we'll we'll wrap up a little bit here. So we just. I guess the last few things we want to talk about. Well, first and foremost, before we move on, you got to mention, of course, the the band you're currently in because you didn't talk about that yet. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then, like, whatever. I started doing vocals in GP after we kicked Hockley out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I really was like full on, like full bore on doing vocals. Like, I'm like, I'm a vocalist now. Yeah. So I was and playing. It was also around the same time you started doing a ton of vocals on my channel as well. Yeah. Tons with you. I started to work a lot with you. And like, I really, um, I've said before, like I'm a yes man when it comes to a lot of stuff. Like I say yes to a lot of gigs and all that kind of stuff, which yeah. I did, which was a good thing and a bad thing. But mm-hmm. when it came to working with you specifically, I was just like, this can be my outlet to, you know, reaching a broader audience For and sure. like kind of building a social platform, which at the time I didn't necessarily have. Yeah. And I had it in my local scene, but I didn't have it like across like YouTube. So when you asked, you know, to do stuff, I'd be like, yes, a hundred percent. Every and I was single always, time. <laughs> every single time. And I was always very focused on getting shit done as fast as possible. Yeah. And that's what I loved about you. Yeah. I wanted to get stuff done and I wanted to get it done really well and like, you know, do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it eventually came to the point where I would do covers on my own. I would fully arrange them and do them. And then I would send it to you being like, yeah. hey, here's two covers or whatever. Let's do it and get it done kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So that became like an efficient um, process for the both of us. Really. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of helped me out on our social, on social means. Um, oh, definitely. And then, yeah, like whatever. I... Uh, ended up chasing the dragon too when I had my Christmas video do really well. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 made me want to focus yeah. uh, on that a lot more too. And yeah, then, I never actually know. thought about that. Like I I guess you kind of didn't really give a fuck about social media at all until that video. I mean, you like kind of did, but not. I really. did because I had some other stuff do well before, yeah. like my invent my invent anime right, uh, yeah. audition stuff. But still, but like, like, not to that extent. Like, that's what I mean is, like, when you have that one that blows up that much, you're like, fuck. And it, yeah. it's so hard to make it happen twice. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. So that made me want to really focus on it more. And I was obviously learning a lot from you. Mm-hmm. And I was learning a lot from Brian, too, about yeah. like, social presence and stuff. And that made me want to focus on it more. Yeah. As sure. an individual, not just being attached to, like, just you yeah, or just, no, like, the band. I wanted to, like, focus on my own brand kind of yeah. thing, which is kind of what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so GP vocals and then I um uh got approached by this band called uh, Bastion, which is a bunch of guys, older dudes from our scene mm-hmm. who played in like Take the Earth Beneath Us that were like really awesome bands. Yeah. I didn't fucking know about it at yeah, all. Yeah, they were like the biggest so. well when I started playing in GP, Take the Earth Beneath Us was like probably the biggest or at least the biggest uh, you know, metalcore band in all of BC. Um, yeah at the time so yeah it's uh is only tie from that band i can't remember uh yes but like chris played in a lot of other bands too he played in callahan and like, oh, okay you know, a bunch right. of people yeah that was and before then, my time yeah and then uh nathan pope who's an amazing drummer too right. he played in a tons of bands as well from yeah. like calgary he's from that area from like fall yeah. city fall right fall city fall right. yeah <clears throat> so um they approached me because they had parted ways with their vocalist 
and um they were like hey we've seen a lot of your stuff and then um eric obviously our buddy eric um recommended that they ask me and i kind of wasn't down because <laughs> i didn't i didn't want to join another band and have the same kind of experience yeah with the other bands but i met with them and like they were very genuine and they kind of laid everything out i laid everything out that i was expecting and they did as well mm-hmm. and then um they sent me a demo to start writing to and i did it like immediately obviously because that's how i work that's johnny so i i write my songs all in one session i don't stop like if i start an idea i have to finish it i yeah. can't just like yeah i can't like take a day and then much move on. much to, to my it. dismay sometimes <laughs> yeah so i did that and i sent it to them like within the day that they sent it to me and they were like fuck yeah let's do yeah. more stuff so then i was definitely on board because we were all very like-minded and i really liked the music that they were writing and it was different from gp because with gp i was starting to go more down of a road of no more clean singing yeah um i'm doing all more deathcore style vocals mm-hmm. and focusing on that that's my outlet for that so bastion became my outlet for writing more metalcore and clean stuff yeah and that's where we are now so yeah definitely worked out for sure um yeah. awesome yeah so that basically covers like almost everything i feel like we have a question written down here that's things you've learned in the music industry but as with me i feel like we kind of just talked about that as we went um unless you have anything specific you wanted to pinpoint um just like if you're a band that's starting up and you're thinking about labels and you're thinking about working with like managers and stuff all i can say is like read the fine print and uh make sure you dot all your i's and cross your t's and if um you're worried about stuff you know i honestly honestly like either don't sign the contract whatsoever if you're like apprehensive at all or make sure you have proper legal representation yeah um to you know cover your own ass (laughs) yeah um just don't run into things just because you think it's a really you know this is gonna do wonders for me like you need to read into stuff like just because there are labels doesn't mean shit Mm -hmm. especially now it doesn't mean fucking anything in my opinion yeah unless it's like a really amazing advance and like you know all this other shit even that like yeah. just don't be in debt to anybody else if you can do it on your own i highly recommend doing that definitely i do shit on your that. own yeah um, if you can make it work by yourself you know the internet is like a great tool learn how to re- like record learn how to produce learn how to do epks all that kind of shit for sure and yeah like we were saying earlier man or to anyone listening like you know, the way that me and Johnny started was so ghetto compared to the, uh, you know, the tools and availabilities that people have nowadays. Like we were duct taping a USB mic that we got for free with a, a video game and that's how we recorded. And now it's like you can get an interface and like Reaper is free. There's like free guitar tones, free drum VSTs, free everything. You can get a whole ass EP recorded for like, I don't know, like a hundred dollars for an interface. And then like, if you already have a guitar and a laptop, you're, you're basically, you're, you're good. And like, it won't sound incredible, but like, it'll certainly sound better than anything that you or I could have done back in the day. It'll at least get your ideas down. Yeah. Fuck dude. I didn't even know what string gauges were. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know how that worked. And now we can just go on the internet every single day. People ask me about string gauges. We can just ask you what your string gauges were. Some internet idiot told me what it was, and now I know. <laughs> and then you I'll, know, like, and then you'll get ignored. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know shit, man. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. You and and like people now can actually buy different gauges for their yeah, guitars. That used to not be I didn't a thing. fucking dude, it used to only be like light gauges. For sure. Yeah. Really? Like or I didn't know where to get the other ones. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. So you're all spoiled and you're all fucking privileged. <laughs> yeah. God, we sound like uh, fucking boomers right now. Yeah, I'm not even that old. Uh you're younger than me. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, this is a surprisingly long intro episode, but that's all good. It was all interesting stuff. Um, so the only thing that you haven't really talked about, which I wanted to get you to, you know, cover a little bit of is you're, uh, also working at a, <laughs> a live music venue called the Vogue. Um, and you've been mm-hmm. working there for three or four years, if I remember correctly, four, just coming up on four. Nice. And that's obviously like a whole other perspective to music, uh, which I mean, will be super interesting for this podcast as a whole, because yeah. you know, that's, that's a whole other side of things that I have basically no idea about. Cause I don't know anything about, you know, live shows or promoters or how any of that works. Uh, I don't really want to be involved in it at all, especially after hearing <laughs> a ton of the stories Johnny <laughs> has told me. Um, yeah. so yeah, I guess maybe just talk about like how you, you know, how you started that and if yeah. that has had any impact on your view of the music industry as a whole, um, like, does it conflict anything you thought it, you knew before you worked there or, you know, anything like that? I just like, yeah, I just really didn't know how shit worked behind the scenes. I'd only seen shows from, you know, the audience perspective. So I didn't really get everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how I started working at the Vogue is I, I went through, I was going through a really shitty time for a while where I was, you know, seeing a therapist for a really long time. And I quit the job that I was working. I was doing warehouse work nine to five and I fucking hated it. It was driving me crazy. It was really mm-hmm. bad for my mental health. So I kind of took like two months off from working the July and August. And then, um, a friend of Charlie's recommended me to, um, the, uh, the, the manager of the Vogue theater, just to get it, my foot in the door to mm-hmm. literally just be like a bar back and a host. Right. Um, so I went in for an interview and um, I met uh, Fraz, who at the time was the front of house manager. And I walked into the interview and I was wearing the same behemoth shirt he was wearing. <laughs> so so That's he basically was like, an instant win right there. Yeah. So he's like, dude, I fucking love that shirt. Man. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. And we just talked about behemoth. And then like, <laughs> that's always a good at sign. the, at the end of the, at the end of the interview, he's like, Oh, uh, do you know how to like lift stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I lift <laughs> stuff all the time. He's like, cool. All right. You can start or whatever. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so I started my first show. I worked at the Vogue as a bar back was ghost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking sick. Like ghost is dope. And it was like, all my friends were coming to the show. Yeah. So I was like, this is amazing like, I get to work in this theater. And, I'm like lifting alcohol and like, you know, working at the bar and stuff. And it was fun. And then the second show I worked was Russ. And I don't, a lot of you probably have no idea who the fuck Russ is, but he's the SoundCloud rapper. And it was the worst thing I ever worked. (laughs) It was like all the worst kids in the history of the world came to the same place and decided to fuck shit up. So I'm kind of glad that that happened because I, one, got to see the theater at its best. Yeah what I wanted to really see and get out of the experience. And then I got the complete polar opposite of everything I hated, but that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. So the, the good thing about working in a venue, even if you're just like bar staff is you're still surrounded by all of the production staff. Mm-hmm. And I had um, experience in live um, audio mixing and all of that stuff. And I was really interested in it. So I would talk to the production guys a lot. And, um, after every shift, we would always just go out and drink. It was like a super bad, <laughs> it's just a waste of money. But we would yeah. go to the bar and we would drink and we would talk. And I, 
you know, got to know like my, my bosses and my managers really well. It was, it's great because I got to know them on a personal level and I never felt like they were my, um, bosses necessarily because we were all at a very, uh, mutual level of respect. Right. So I have, I have to give like, uh, Kyle Knapp and, uh, Jules, like a huge shout out for that because they were like friends with all of us first and it created like a very good little, uh, community of people who like really liked working for each other first and foremost. And it never felt like, you know, I was scared of my superiors kind of right. thing. Um, but anyways, we would always go out and drink after work. And, um, I was hanging out with one of the, uh, the, uh, production managers at the time. His name was Chandy. He still is a production manager. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, basically <laughs> he, uh, we were both, we were all like really drunk and I was like, Hey, like I know how to do audio and stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, give me your number. I'll call you or whatever. And, um, so what I started doing uh, Chandy called me for my first production gig, which was I was a um, stagehand for uh, the Chris Delia special that was being shot. Right, there. right. So it was insane. We started at seven o'clock in the fucking morning and it was the most stuff I've ever seen. We started at seven and we left at four thirty in the morning. So I was Holy there all fuck. day. And not only did I do the production stuff, but I did my barback job as well. Right. So I was double dipping and I have continued to do this my whole uh, career at the Vogue. Yeah. So I would do my production stuff. I would set up and do all of the stage stuff in the day. I would work the show as a bar back. And then as soon as the show came down, I would go tear everything down. So I've done that consistently for the past three years, essentially. Crazy. So I started to learn a lot um, behind the scenes when it came to like how shows ran. Um, I learned more about lighting than I ever wanted to learn in my life. <laughs> That's kind of like the stagehand thing is a lot of stagehands are audio guys and yeah. then they're forced to learn lighting yeah. because lighting is the primary yeah, thing for a lot of shows. Honestly. So I've learned so much about that. And then I've learned so much from the people I work with. Like Greg is a really awesome uh, lighting technician. I've learned a lot from him. Chandy is like the biggest that I've learned a lot from audio and just the industry in general. Mm -hmm. And then uh, over time, I, I transitioned from being a bar back at the Vogue to um, being a manager my uh my mentor had you know been fired unfortunately uh he ended up coming back as a promoter rep which is crazy but um he's like the smartest guy i ever met Kyle Knapp he knows everything he's a fucking genius um but i ended up kind of taking his job and mm. i started doing um production from the theater side of things and then i also did production from uh the tour side so I would kind of be like the production liaison would be my title essentially. Right. So I would be the middleman between the the theater and the tour. So I would basically try and make both people happy. Is essentially uh, what I was doing. Much harder than it sounds. <laughs> Very hard. That's why like a lot of stuff comes up where I tell you guys all these yeah. stories. Yeah. I get to I get to meet a lot of these people on tour and you start to figure out like when you're going to have a good day and when you're going to have a bad day. Right. And um Honestly, it's great because like I've learned so much from the other side of the business as For opposed sure. to performing and writing. I kind of feel very lucky that I have kind of like the jack of all trades mentality where I can represent myself on a business standpoint and the production standpoint of mm -hmm. the industry and also the creative side. Yeah, definitely. So I've I've learned so much from that and I've learned like what I don't like doing and what I do like <laughs> doing the people that I do like and the people that I don't like. Yeah. And like surprisingly enough, I'll kind of just end on this and then we can stop talking about this. Sure. But, um, you would, I'm a, obviously like a metal head and I used to get really excited to work metal shows. I used to be like, fuck yeah, I get to work with like 
these people that I admire and all this stuff, you know, like the whole don't mean your heroes thing. Right. The almost, I would probably say eight times out of 10, the metal shows that I work are usually the worst. Fuck. I don't know what it is specifically American tours. I'm sorry, everybody <laughs> from America, but like they just have these, this grumpy ass chip on their shoulder sometimes like really shitty attitudes and all this. I'm not going to throw specific yeah, people obviously. under the bus, but like there's some fucking shows that I've worked that I just wanted to walk away from. And like, you almost get in fights with these guys. Like it's not fun, man. Like it gets really shitty. Yeah. Ironically enough, my favorite shows to work have always been country shows Weird. I still, I still come from a country background, but I love those Nashville guys. Right. All of those guys that work in that Nashville scene, they are like industry professionals they know exactly what they're fucking doing. They all have this Southern hospitality attitude. Like, <laughs> I love them, man. It's, like, super fun to work those shows. Cool. All about it. All right. Well, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps it up for our first episode here. So it ended up being quite a long one, but hopefully you guys find it interesting. Uh, as you can see, obviously, Johnny and I both have a ton of experience uh, in various different aspects of the music industry. Um, and this yeah. is just some of it. You know, we could go on talking for hours and hours, but... It's a podcast series, so that other stuff will come up in later episodes, I'm sure, you know, as we're prompted by the people we're talking to or, you know, whatever we decide to talk about in each episode. Um, So, again, this is kind of just like a taste of what's to come. Uh, If you guys ended up sticking around and listening to the whole podcast, I just want to say a huge thank you because I know, again, it was a long one. Um, Yeah. Or if you just tuned into a little bit, that's okay to you. Since this is our first one, you know, if you guys liked it, obviously let us know. Uh, because this is new for us. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, all that. We are totally open to suggestions, comments, criticisms, because we have never done this before, and it's uh, very interesting starting something brand new uh, at this stage in our lives when we, you know, have both have done a ton of other stuff that we're very familiar with. It's you know, it's just always weird starting something new. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, we can open the floor too, and maybe be like, if you guys have questions. Um, you know, maybe ask them and maybe eventually we'll do kind of like a question portion and answer some stuff that you guys are curious about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, tell us how we can be better too. Like, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people out there listen to podcasts and they expect certain things or whatever, For but sure. just like give us pointers. Cause we're, we're new at this. I listen to podcasts. I don't make them. So yeah, I, <laughs> I listen to like two podcasts, so I'm much less familiar with them than Johnny is, but I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be handling all the editing, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah. that's pretty much all we got to say. So again, thank you guys so much for listening or watching, whether you listen to it you know, on Spotify or wherever we end up posting this. Um, that's pretty much all we got to say. So yeah, again, thanks for watching episode one. And uh, next time we're ground, we'll have a special guest. Uh, maybe Nick Nocturnal, but I'm not entirely sure at this point in time. But one way or another, we'll have someone uh, who's not just us two talking to you guys next time. So yeah, we just want to get this out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Never talk about it again. <laughs> nope. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks y'all. Bye. Bye.